0: And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.
1: Fellow fiends, welcome to another terrifying and delectable episode of Nightmare on Film Street. The horror podcast with zero credibility, but all of the blood, ghouls, and gore your puny heart can handle. <laughs> Let's give a grave welcome to our hosts John and Kim
0: <laughs> Hello again fiends and welcome to Nightmare on Film Street I'm John I'm Kim And this week we are talking prime time terrors
2: Errors errors errors
0: it's August 1st day 1 of a new month our 30 30 30 days have September April June and November 31 <laughs> our 31 day salute to the king of horror himself, Stephen King.
2: The Stephen King of horror.
0: Yeah, yeah, as he's known.
2: So, we are doing Stephen King Month. We're celebrating here on the podcast with this very episode. We also have a whole ton of fun Stephen King themed editorials hitting the nofspodcast.com website throughout the month. Our contributor team are getting their king on this month. <laughs> like Klingon, but king on.
0: Okay. Right, get uh, your whoop. king on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that works. Get you, get you, get you, get you, get your king on. You're a '90s kid; just own it.
2: This week's episode is called "Primetime Terrors." We are talking about two absolutely wonderful, maybe mini series from Stephen King: the 1997 "The Shining" mini series from Mick Garris, and 2002's. Rose motherfucking Red.
0: Yeah, it's about to get personal up in motherfucking here.
2: Motherfucking Red. This
0: episode was a whole lot of fun to record because I, you know, the two of us were having fun talking about The Shining and the things we liked and maybe didn't like about it. Uh-huh. And then the knives came out when we switched gears and went over to Rose Red. He
2: tried to badmouth it.
0: I wasn't allowed to say anything. Unjustly. Without fear of being slashed in the face.
2: <laughs> um. So if you don't like Rose Red... Get the fuck! No kidding, <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Please stay. Um, rolling
0: up her sleeves already. Before
2: we get into this week's episode and talk about the hours upon hours of Stephen King content we enjoyed for this episode, John, what is keeping you creepy this week?
0: Uh, we finally saw Crawl.
2: Crawl. Oh,
0: we finally saw Crawl.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh man, at the drive-in too. It's worth the wait. It
2: was so good. So worth it was the wait. So, I want to see it again. We were
0: one of eight cars in that whole lot, and I loved every minute of it. Was it was so
2: wonderful. Let's do it so loud. Watch alligators
0: eat the fuck out of people. Our
2: dog barked so much because there was a dog throughout this movie, and she was not having
0: it. I will say, if you haven't seen it and you're worried, throughout this entire movie. Throughout
2: the entire film, yeah, there was a dog. He was a good dog. He was a really good dog. He really saved the day.
0: Yeah, he barked at all the alligators he was supposed to bark at. Scared him away. Yep. (laughs) The hero. Uh,
2: I'm really hoping, though, that they keep it in the theater long enough for it to play in a double feature with 47 Meters Down Uncaged.
0: Oh. I would like to see both of those. I doubt it. I mean, we said the same thing about Godzilla. No No fingers crossed. We have to find the one drive-in that has it. We will. Yeah, I guess, I oh, guess yes. it's not hard. Like, I mean, we outside will. of Toronto, you drive 15 minutes and there's nothing. Like, you're just you're in a farm like, all of a sudden.
2: That said, though, we tried to go to the drive-in on a weekend in the summertime, and it was in Niagara Falls, which is normally like a two-hour drive. It took us like four hours to get there.
0: Okay, well, enough commute talk. We'll. I Save wanted that. to go to
2: the beach. Had no time. <laughs> just saw alligators. Was a big to do.
0: We did not. We did not have time to go to the beach. Didn't uh, make it. Kim, seven words or less. What'd you think of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood?
2: I thought it was pretty. How I... many was that? I thought it was pretty. And California Dream Tacular.
0: That's one word. <laughs> Super <laughs> catchy, melodic, and something else i thought it was pretty okay i, yeah, I really like very tame
2: of, yeah. very tame for tarantino
0: yeah tame and tino oddly uh like the, tame the, and tino. the most <laughs> quentin tarantino and the least quentin tarantino i think we're all saying the same thing uh it's very strange i had some thoughts about it there's a review on the website you can check it out if you want also our contributor grant wrote a great review on crawl if you haven't read that uh, but um Yeah, I don't know. What I have to say about that movie will take up an entire podcast. Let's just say I liked it. I'd like to see it again. Uh, Probably not my favorite Quentin Tarantino, but a very different Tarantino. Um,
2: It was beautiful. Yeah. Very summery. If you're looking to go inside an air-conditioned building for two and a half hours, but you want to feel like you're outside in L.A., go see that movie.
0: Oh, yeah. MVP of the movie, Brad Pitt. He's incredible in it. But go for- And Brad Pitt's dog. Sharon Tate. Yes, Brad Pitt's dog. Go for the Sharon Tate story. That's what this movie's all about. Her
2: story isn't really a story, though. They just we just get to see her living a beautiful, gorgeous, fun, carefree life, which I guess is not something we've ever seen before. Considering everybody's always like murdered, well, pregnant.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's that's why you see this movie. It's great to to see her as a budding actress, uh, just full of pride and putting in the work. <laughs>
2: Okay. <laughs>
0: what else is keeping you creepy this week, Kim?
2: Uh, well, Fantasia Fest just finished for the 2019 season. It was an amazing time. We have already kind of talked about all of the uh, fun that we had over the weekends we went. We are slowly getting all of our coverage out. There is a ton of interviews and reviews that have just hit the website, some new stuff, um, and there might be a couple more on the way. Head to nofspodcast.com, whatever's on the homepage. You can also search Fantasia Fest in the search bar for a whole ton of genre v- reviews and interviews for films that are coming up and fun stuff like that.
0: If I didn't know better, I thought I, I think I also saw some sweet mystery boxes hitting the website this week.
2: There are some sweet mystery boxes hitting the website this week.
0: Tell us all about it here, <laughs> Kim. I didn't try to make this too much of a commercial. I know now, sounds like now a commercial. it feels like
2: I'm like on the spot, i like I didn't rehearse anything. We just launched two different mystery boxes. Um, I've been designing these VHS pins for all of 2019. They're finally ready. A lot of
0: back and forth with with the emailers across the world, right? Is
2: yeah, like that's that's pin process. You gotta um, be patient. But we wanted them perfect. We wanted them great. We wanted them wonderful. There are three currently. We're going to be expanding the line, similar with our Cinema Cemetery. The Tombstone pins we've been doing, we have three VHS pins, Halloween, Blair Witch Project, and A Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh,
0: that Halloween pin. I'm fucking I'm in love with that <laughs> Halloween pin right now. Blair Witch has my heart, of course. But that Halloween pin looks too good.
2: But the mystery boxes, they're going to be tossed in there at random. If you get a, a the regular mystery box, it'll have one of the pins in it. They are in an actual VHS plastic clamshell with a ton of other goodies. We made some VHS buttons. There's stickers. There's all kinds of stuff in there. And then the pin... Or the deluxe mystery box if you want all three pins and you don't want to keep buying mystery boxes and hope that you get the pin that you want, uh, you can buy the deluxe box that has all three of our current pins and then we'll slowly be expanding the line. The VHS clamshells actually have a different retro VHS sleeve on them. You bet they do. There are we we found a ton of them. They're high res scans of classic VHS covers like from release. Uh, they are. Fabulous, there's a billion of them. I'm having a hard time not keeping them all to myself, yeah, right? (laughs) They're wonderful. But, like, what am I gonna do with 800 empty VHS boxes? One is great because you can use it as like a stash box, you can put your uh jewelry in there and whatever else you like to keep. It's legal,
0: like, everywhere now, Hidden (laughs) in a
2: plastic box that might be smell proof. Who knows? Who knows?
0: We haven't tested it,
2: (laughs) (laughs) and we got the cool boxes too, they don't have the little tape cylinders in them they're actually like a full empty box so you can actually use it as a box for storing stuff yeah which is nice we it took a while to find ones that weren't actually designed for tapes <laughs> because well we, when you want to put a tape in there you don't want it to rattle around but when you want to fill it with junk you don't want these two plastic disky things in there
0: yeah oh man don't you wish you had one of these back in high school you'd have the coolest pencil case in the world oh my
2: god it would be a great pencil case yeah what the fuck
0: uh, also if you pack a very light lunch you could, <laughs> you could use
2: if you pack a very rectangular sandwich. <laughs> um, But you can grab your mystery box at store.nofspodcast.com. We also have our t-shirts there. We have some really fun t-shirts that are always there. And we added a new cemetery pin to the Cinema Cemetery collection. We have the They're Coming to Get You, Barbara pin. It is the the iconic tall tombstone that Barbara leans on in the beginning of Night of the Living Dead. It's... uh. Probably my favorite pin right now. Maybe that's because it's new. It looks too good. Yeah, and it's, it's a little bit taller than all the other pins. So if you've been collecting them, you can make like a really cool dynamic yeah tombstone cemetery thing we, we try to vary the heights on them a little bit so then when you put them all together they make a yeah, really yeah there's some cool... depth to it yeah yeah. yeah yeah and they're slightly different grays too which i know is like super nobody's gonna notice that but me but you know, well, you it know well, once you get them all together exactly yeah. <laughs> but okay. yeah all of those are at store.nofspodcast.com if you're interested
0: plus shipping and handling vhs boxes non-microwavable um they might be <laughs> might
2: they be Do you want to take the paper out there?
0: I highly doubt they are they might be I uh, wouldn't risk it
2: Tupperware is
0: but we've been chatting at you a little too long before we go though I want to give a big shout out to our most recent Patreon supporters Zane and Quinton. thank you so much can you believe it Mr. Tarantino himself came on and supported the show uh, probably not true I'm sure it's, it's Quinton. Quintun T-O-N uh, thank you Quintum. <laughs> You're so generous with your Patreon dollars, and Zane, uh, also uh, this accent, uh, <laughs> Zane, you are amazing. Thank you so much. I feel like I'm a like a like a like a Spaniard who's lived in Transylvania for at least a decade. Hello, welcome to my wine cellar. You will not die here. <laughs> Do not. <laughs> No, I just like to end the
2: house tour in the coolest room of the house. Please step on this tarp. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, prepare for this episode. It's uh, a real zinger.
0: <laughs> yep. Coming up first, we're gonna talk about Mick Garris's *The Shining*.
1: Our greatest fears are all around us, hiding in nightmares, shrouded in evil waiting to be unleashed you shine on boy shine on the bible calls it having vision i can feel it coming off you like heat from stephen king the creator of it the tommy knockers and the stand comes a completely new vision of terror your destiny, Mr. Torrance. Yeah. Uh, coming, sweetheart.
0: You're gonna hurt me, Daddy. Come down here
1: and take your medicine. Oh my god.
0: You're never taking
1: my son. This spring. Bro, Daddy! Go to hell. <gasps> and pray you get out alive. Rebecca de Mornay, Stephen Weber. Daddy's man, mommy. Stephen King's The Shining.
0: From nineteen ninety-seven, Stephen King's The Shining. It's currently sitting at a 6.1 out of 10 on IMDb, 42% on Rotten Tomatoes, 6.8 out of 10 at tv.com, uh, and 2.5 out of 5 on Ladderboxed. So, Kim. yeah huh You'd never seen this.
2: No, I hadn't, which is so funny because it was, like, in my primetime TV watching years. Eight. Your parents... <laughs> <laughs>
0: I gotta assume your parents probably just didn't want you. They wouldn't have been able to stop you. You wouldn't have watched it. No, because
2: I watched Simpsons and stuff. Like, I don't know why I didn't watch it. It I feel like if I knew it existed or I had stumbled across it, I would have watched it in its entirety. Because I totally watched Rose Red when it came out. And I watched a bunch of the other Stephen King series when I was growing up. Like, Kingdom of Hospital, I watched.
0: Yeah, but those all came out, like, early, mid-2000s, right?
2: This is late 90s. They're all in the same Sheboygan.
0: I don't know if, uh, I don't really have a memory of commercials for this, but I do remember my, my dad watched it, obviously, that's mm-hmm. a Stephen King nut, and he taped it and was like, you gotta check this out, so great. I think he watched it to see whether or not I'd get scared, because I was a wuss when I was a kid. I'm still kind of a wuss now. Um, so I saw it, and my memory of it was just the ending, which is very different from the uh, the original Shining, and the the bushes... That, that turn into, like, lions and chase Danny around. Which, in my memory...
2: They're hedges, John. They prefer to be called hedges. I apologize. <laughs> uh,
0: in my memory, when them hedges uh, were chasing Danny, was the height of television. Like, I could not... I was like, yes, this is fucking amazing. Okay, we
2: will get to the hedges because they were pretty cool. But So we're going to try to be less referential to the original film, and try to steer more as like a straight um, conversation on the movie because I think it's going to be very hard as our primary source for information on what The Shining is, is the 1980s Stan- Stanley Kubrick film. Yeah. Uh, I've read The Shining novel. Really? But I was like 14. Okay. Um So I remembered the hedges and stuff. All that stuff is very true to the novel, especially that this was a teleplay. The teleplay was written by Stephen King.
0: Who's an executive producer. I
2: feel very much confident in saying that this is pretty loyal to the novel.
0: Yeah. From what I could tell, uh, everything that I went, what the fuck about? (laughs) And rolled my eyes. I'm like, okay. Okay. I looked up the Wikipedia for the novel. It's in there.
2: Yeah. Um, the problem, too, is that it, this is a made-for-TV product. And it immediately kind of gets that bump from me. Whoa. <laughs> because I love made-for-TV quality. And commercial breaks and fading to black.
0: And the constant recapping.
2: Oh, with all the recaps. And then when you come back from the fade to black and you're back 30 seconds in the scene and you get to rewatch it twice. Like, <laughs> I fucking love that. And it was especially annoying, but a wonderful kind of annoying when they were doing it in the first episode of this mini series, where they were all doing like their hello and goodbyes in the foyer, oh my and how God. many moments we we stood on the front steps, like saying goodbye to Doc Halloran and saying goodbye to the, the and yeah, he's or like, you know what? Before I go,
0: why don't I take you for another, another tour. fucking
2: tour? Jesus <laughs>
0: Christ! So we're like an hour and a half into this damn movie. They're still getting the lay of the land. Like I oh. couldn't believe it. We spent an entire Okay, you know that five-minute scene at the beginning of the other movie that I'm going to try not to reference too much? That is an hour and a half of this movie.
2: An hour and a half, guys. (laughs) What I love especially is as soon as they meet Doc, he goes outside with Danny and they go to the park. and, And the family goes in to do their tour or whatever. It's just like, okay, I get it. This guy's been vetted to work here, but you're in the middle of fucking nowhere and half the hotel is gone.
0: Yeah. And then they go back inside, they come back out, they go back in, they're back out again.
2: But and they then just like left their young leaves. son in the care of this strange okay, man. So
0: this is this who's is my talking
2: to him about metaphysical supernatural <laughs> shit, like Let's all be real here—that this man maybe needs help. Well, so here's the thing: in a normal world, if this wasn't a Stephen King world,
0: you could argue that this is maybe even true about the original Shining. Uh, but something that that Stanley Kubrick does a little bit is that while he's having a discussion with the kids' parents, he's also talking to Danny. Yeah, which I think is great because in this TV movie version, if you just step back a little bit, just the camera pulls out. A little, and we get to see the parents still instead of them just being like blurry figures in the back. What they would see is Dick Halloran just staring <laughs> at their son for like forty-five seconds at a time. We
2: furrowed, conversational, yeah, of that. and
0: the two of them just like looking at each other, like, "What's going on?" I don't know. You know what's going on? I don't know what's going on. Like that is the sign of trouble. Like this kid is just being leered at by this guy.
2: I will say, I did really enjoy when Doc said to him, like, okay, give me your your full strength or whatever. He's like, come on, shout at me. And he, he was like, hi, Doc! <laughs> and he broke the headlights on his car. That was cool. That was a nice touch. I appreciated that. It also kind of made sense later because this Halloran wasn't in a cabin down at the bottom of the mountain. He was in Florida.
0: Whoa, the other Halloran was also in Florida. Was he in Florida? Yeah, because he's got to like take... Oh, I
2: thought he was in a cabin. No,
0: no, no, no. He's, gotta, like, take a... no he's got to like take... No, because he's in his like super swanky bachelor pad. He's got like naked photos of naked I assumed
2: that was a lodge. <laughs> like, I thought that was his man lodge. <laughs> no self-respecting
0: person has this in the wild. Clearly, he's just sitting in a cabin somewhere.
2: Um, also, I think we should get into, while well, we're still pretty early on in this, how old is Danny? How old is he supposed to okay, be? Okay, there you go. And how old is this kid?
0: I think he's supposed to be four or five.
2: Because he's an old Danny. He's definitely 12. I'm pretty sure at one point, uh, Wendy says that he's Eight. Eight. Which is quite old.
0: For how they talk to him. Yeah. For, especially for how he talks back. Now, I, I should say, Cortland Mead, the actor who plays Danny, has had a very successful career in voiceover work. Uh, he's Gus in Recess, if you ever watched Recess. Um, Kim didn't. And, Did uh, not. We're all upset at her about it. <laughs> Okay.
2: Um. <laughs> uh, and the, I, also too, the actor had like a, a huge, uh, child star baby face. Like he yeah. had the um, the, the the adorable overbite and the chubby little cheeks and the the nineties bowl cut. Like he was child star ready. He was a little Haley Joe Osment. <laughs> I know,
0: but it gets it gets to be a little much. Five hours in, like even oh, an yeah. hour and in. Oh, definitely. Oh man. Yeah. Because it... <laughs> it, it, I think it's just like how he talks and how people talk to him. It's just like everybody's talking to him like he's super stupid or he's much younger than he looks.
2: Yeah, especially even in the beginning, how they're trying to establish that Jack is trying to be a good dad with him. And he's trying to make this like warm relationship. He's having him get the groceries from the car. And he's like, you think you could do that sport? And it's just like, he's not two. no. And they're, like, playing ball. It's just...
0: Uh, Every time Jack talks to him,
2: it's really... Maybe you're supposed to be uncomfortable because their relationship is definitely very strained because Jack looks at Danny and sees his failures or, like, his potential...
0: He sees a bunch of mistakes he's already made. Yeah, but also
2: that what he's pr- trying to protect might already be lost kind of thing. Because,
0: mm. yeah, his his dad was a piece of shit. And unfortunately, he's had some moments where he feels like he was a piece of shit. And he's trying to work on that. He's currently working on that. And boy, howdy, does, does everybody in this movie let him know that he is not out of the woods yet. Especially strangers... That he's just met, like the the guy who hires him at the hotel, played by Elliot Gould, in the stiffest role he's oh, ever right. had in his entire life. I forgot
2: life. about him. Like,
0: Hello, Mr. Torrance. We are aware that you were once an alcoholic, but do no longer consider yourself one? Like, I can't even, I yeah, can't even. Yeah, he didn't
2: want him to work there at all. Oh,
0: I don't think Elliot Gould wanted to work there at all. It was the craziest performance. He is such a good actor, too, right? And, uh, I don't know. Like, he, he made some choices that, uh, I guess I just didn't, <laughs> did not mesh with me there. Hey, it's TV, uh, like, just because it's a TV movie doesn't mean that they have movie time. Like, maybe it's still very TV-based, where it's like, okay, two takes, we're out. I could not handle that. Every single person, especially Elliot Gould, is really drilling into him that he is worthless because he uh, is is very new to sobriety.
2: Yeah. My only issue with that seed was that that was the first moment I really noticed the dialogue was going to be very writerly and yeah. definitely the the speeches and like the monologues and all of the dialogue from the novel, I'm pretty sure just from the vibe I got from how long some of the scenes were and kind of not meandering, but they didn't have the efficiency of a normal screenplay. I think that was the that what that was what was holding me back on that scene. It wasn't necessarily yeah. that I was just like, oh, look at this made for T V acting. It was just like, oh, they're chewing on a lot of words here. Like they're playing with some metaphors.
0: Yeah. It it really feels like the the characters are you're right. They're they're monologuing at each other, even in a, a conversation. It does not feel like dialogue. Uh, it feels like they are yeah, in like love with their own words. It's not like
2: A plus B equals C, which is the next, the third thing a somebody plus says. Plus
0: A, yeah. but I also A. Well,
2: yeah, it's just like A and then B and then A again. <laughs> yes. It's like we're there were so many scenes where Wendy and Jack were kind of at their wits end with each other but it was just like well you guys are here for another six months so like where are we going to go from this this escalation and
0: it works hey it works on the page wendy
2: mm-hmm. kept sleeping in the same apartment like <laughs> it's time to move into one of the hundreds of hotel rooms in right? the hotel
0: oh man that is living in a hotel in the winter is made and don't for tell him what room
2: of- like every night take 10 keys with you and he's gonna have to friggin' run around with his croquet mallet and figure it out you've
0: really thought this out okay so the uh, i going to come back to that croquet mallet uh but in terms of efficiency like what you were talking about outside of them saying goodbye to literally every employee that works in this <laughs> building uh, they also spend i don't know I think the longest gap between flashbacks in that first part is maybe two and a half minutes. There were a
2: lot of flashbacks. Yeah,
0: like, hey, nice car. I remember when I had a car like that. Oh, it was back when I was 17. That
2: didn't happen. Okay, no, that
0: did not happen, but it seemed like every time... Uh, we got one or two exchanges from characters and then any reference to anything in the past brought us to another scene in the past. But and-
2: that, is a, that is a made-for-TV staple, John.
0: Okay. That is
2: a... You cannot mess with a staple. I don't know.
3: <laughs> <laughs> really.
2: I, I can feel different tones here <laughs> and being like... You're just like, oh, the dialogue. And I'm like, very writerly. <laughs> and you're like, oh, the fucking flashback. I'm like, so many flashbacks fade to black. <laughs>
0: See, we're seeing, we're saying the exact same thing here. So many flashbacks, so many flashbacks. I could not handle it, guys.
2: Um, I also appreciated how much screen time that one fire hose on floor two got. It had top billing.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, for how much it probably cost, them it was to above put together. the
2: title. <laughs> it was in every
0: promo as well. We watched a lot of promos for this, and it was like, tonight on CBS, or whatever channel. ABC. It's Stephen King's The Shining, with this hose.
2: (laughs) With this hose. Like the hose. He has teeth sometimes.
0: Not even. This is what it is. So it's like, tonight, Stephen King's The Shining, hose unravels, like (laughs) nine o'clock. And then then the hose looks directly in the camera, Eastern Standard Time.
2: (laughs) (laughs) The thrilling conclusion of, was the hose unravel.
0: Oh, boy. It's a good hose. Uh, boy. You've oh. read the book. Yes. You mean to tell me that the twins are not in the book? Oh, I don't... Because we kept saying to ourselves, okay, okay, so this is three parts. They're in the hotel. Surely, end of part one, Danny sees the twins. Like, and we. I don't think we never got the twins. I and don't... secondly, end of part one was yeah. just the people leaving the building.
2: Um. Well, I'm sure they're mentioned because they're Grady's daughters. They do right? talk
0: about Grady killing the kids, yeah. And we get... Grady at some point, not in the capacity that we're used to, um, which is fine, whatever. It's, it's how it is in the book, mm-hmm. but no twins.
2: What I was really actually surprised on, now that we're touching on this, is that Jack sees more of the ghosts in the Overlook than Danny does. Danny's definitely got an ability to sense like something's wrong, and he sees the mob thing in the, the penthouse suite. He sees the hose. He sees the girl in room 217. Yeah. <laughs> But we, we're we not with him for that scene. So that whole big penultimate scene where Danny gets hurt by the ghosts and that's where Wendy finally accuses Jack of touching the sun. It's a big scene in the 1980 Shining. It's a big scene in this movie. We're not there for it in no, this one. No, 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 we,
0: we do. We do. He goes in, he sees her, and he leaves, and she grabs him and pulls him back in the room.
2: Yeah, but then it's like fate to black. Like, we don't... Okay, there's not. Saying. There's not as much... Um, for how long we linger on conversations, we do not linger on spooky ghost interactions, specifically with Danny. Every okay. time Danny gets, or a ghost gets close to Danny, something happens and they're pulled away. Like the um, the hedges, when they finally reanimate and they're, they're coming in, they're prowling yeah, towards they're yeah. him. As soon as mom and dad run out, they're gone.
0: Yeah, and dad doesn't even see them, it's just mom. I think you're right. I think it's, uh, that's very true. It's odd.
2: Maybe that's why we don't see them in this is because they are.
0: They're a Danny ghost.
2: Yeah. You're like,
0: what's, why would Jack, okay, Jack, Jack would maybe be Jack talks out. to
2: Grady, Jack sees Grady. I t- he Not really all that much,
0: actually. He talks to Floyd, the bartender. No,
2: Grady is the bartender. Is it? Yeah, he said his name was Grady.
0: My mistake. He yeah. talks to his dad a lot in the CB radio. I like that touch. I like that, too. Yeah.
2: Yeah, especially for him to be the first ghost that he kind of interacts with.
0: And also that it's a voice, too. And it's a voice that he's very familiar with, because... And it's,
2: like, berating him. Yeah, and which like, is... we're
0: seeing a lot of the language that he has when he's uh, anger. U- upset, yeah. Yeah, that it's, it's actually... Th- Things his dad said to him, like "You better take your medicine." Uh, I don't
2: like how many times he says that. Though. He says it a lot, but I hate to say that Kim
0: staple of the TV movie.
2: Every time we're running down the hall, you come here and take your medicine.
0: Yeah, why did he say that? When he okay, it, it, it doesn't matter. The point is, it's we it's, know what
2: it means. We gotta. It means
0: it. a lot to him. So, what's up with the croquet mallet stuff? So, you read the book. I understand you're not super, duper familiar with it. You,
2: I'm uh, not. But the as the resident, resident expert. expert of the Stephen
0: King novel, The Shining. Give me answers well, here. Well, they were assume... playing
2: croquet at the beginning of the miniseries.
0: Elliot Gould explains it to him. He's like, oh, the man who built this hotel invented this game. I don't remember what it's called, but it's basically croquet, except everything's bigger. Everything's twice the size. Uh, and th- that's all I really remember. So there's, there's got to be some sort of metaphor that the book strings. It's got to be important for him to actually use the croquet mallet. To destroy things, including breaking down the door instead of an axe. We'll
2: see, because croquet, the mm-hmm. mallet, yes. represents summertime.
0: It represents the destruction of Eternal the Eternal summer. People.
2: And the hotel is winter. Ah. And the two juxtaposing forces yes. combine on doors
0: to make ghosts. <laughs> okay. Got it. I'm okay. I'm on board now. I it's a it's a great decision. It looks that is, cool. That is the first it's thing cr- that I looked up. I was like, "You mean
2: to fucking tell me that there's no goddamn axe in this?" It yeah, I was surprised. Even when I even when I saw him running around with the croquet mallet for like. He, he got the mallet in, like, part two.
3: Yeah. And then
2: he, he like, didn't put it down. And well, also and I was like, it, so when are, are you going to go to the garage and trade <laughs> and get it out? trade it in for an yeah, axe? Yeah, I was just like, oh, are when we... When do you
3: meet the nice we,
0: merchant who, like, okay, this and 20 <laughs> silver pieces and you can have an axe?
2: Bring us the boy. <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, every time I saw him with it, I was like, oh, we, we're still we're still with the mallet.
0: I couldn't believe it. It looked
2: cool. It looked fun, but I was just like, this is really efficient for breaking down a door. And it was. I'm going to disagree it with was. you. I
0: don't think it looked cool, and I guess it was efficient for breaking down a I door. I said it was
2: inefficient for breaking down a door, My but mistake. it did look cool. Okay. You, you're saying that you would rather see a dad kill his son with an axe yes. than a croquet mallet? Of course. I'm a There's purist. some fucking... <laughs> Irony to killing somebody with a summer toy. <laughs> okay. I don't know why I keep specifying that it's a summer toy. I just feel like it should be important, but I don't know. I don't know why. Yet. Sunshine, lollipops, rainbows everywhere, and your dead son. Yeah, I get it.
0: It's weird. Okay, it's it's an odd little touch.
2: I liked it. I Speaking. did not like how many times we saw Red Rum.
0: It came up a lot.
2: It did. It was on quite a few walls and windows.
0: Oh, so the first time that it comes up too, and like this is just. I don't know like, it's, it's it's more dialogue between Danny and anybody else in this movie that just seems like he's too they, they cast a kid too old for it like they should have just adjusted the dialogue a little to me because when they talk to him like he's four it just makes me feel like we have a dumb son so we talk to him like this Aww. and like what's red rum mean I don't know maybe it's something that a pirate would drink Like, oh uh... yeah oh man and uh, 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 uh there's something else that he says too where she's just like what's going on Denny?" he's like made you look dirty crook stole your mother's pocketbook like what what no no kid would do that <laughs> no kid
2: yeah i missed this is another 1980 thing i'm sorry uh the blood i was expecting more blood you know like the elevators of blood i just wanted some yeah the, there was just not enough ghostly spooks for how long of a a deal this was
3: yeah we
2: had the the hose ghosts the hedges there was a ball a couple times like we had a changeling ball coming down the stairs sure and like fucking with wendy sometimes yep. um and then the ballroom and the bar. But that was literally We had a lot of chairs falling uh, simultaneously. That's true. So spook. Some that chairs. was literally
0: the climax of the first part. Yeah. <gasps> what was that sound? Sounded like chairs. I didn't move all these chairs. And we looked. Oh, at- there aren't enough people in this building to push all these chairs over. Oh, it's probably nothing, though, right?
2: <laughs> and we looked at those hedges a bunch. Like it was just like. And now the hedges have no snow again. I'm so
0: glad you brought that up. Oh, the hedges so have glad no you snow. That
2: up. Uh, I'm like Constantly. I think I think that one's a squirrel. There's nothing menacing about a giant squirrel. <laughs> like yeah. maybe he needs a trim, but that's really it.
0: <laughs> and they're they're part of the croquet maze. You know
2: uh... I was just really upset that they didn't wrap them in burlap, and I kept saying like, "Why didn't they wrap these in burlap?" And John was like, "Why?" And I was like, "I don't know. That's just a thing they do."
0: You're right. I have seen that done before.
2: You wrap them in burlap. I don't know if I'm... to okay. protect the integrity of the bushy tail.
0: What? We're okay. still on the squirrel. <laughs> I don't even. I don't even know what it would do because I
2: guess. It preserves them from frost.
0: It must, but you can't, okay, so it's not like the, the cold air hits the burlap like, oh guys, turn around, we can't pass through the burlap. It's like
2: insulation or provide some fortification so the individual branches don't get broken by the weight of the snow.
0: No, the weight of the snow will still be there, but you're right, the frost probably doesn't go directly on the branch, it goes on the burlap, I guess. Mm-hmm. Hmm.
2: It's like a little blanket
0: just a oh, just a little blanket. Uh, <laughs> By the way, can you imagine a bunch of like horse hedges that have a bunch of like those horse blankets that you see? Like you know, you've seen horses oh, yeah, yeah. when they this have the, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's basically a burlap sack for horses. <laughs> it keeps the frost off of them. <laughs> Another thing. Um
2: Another thing.
0: Um <sighs> Okay, so this is uh, I'm going to bring this up and it's going to bring us right to the end. Like we're we're one two skip a few and all over a lot of things here. We'll come back. Don't worry. I
2: have two things I still need to talk about.
0: You can totally talk about them. Okay. But in terms of, like, things that kept coming up in part one that just kind of disappeared for part two, and then part three, it's like, oh, I hope you watch part one, otherwise the (laughs) ending's not going to make sense now, uh, is... Tony.
2: I was gonna say Tony. Okay,
0: so we're crossing off one of those two. All things. right, perfect.
2: What the fuck was Tony? What the fuck was Tony? <laughs>
0: Damn,
2: right. Yeah. Why?
0: Okay, I can understand it's TV and you wanna you wanna cast a character for him to talk to. Got it. Why
2: does he have to float? <laughs> like, yes. Why? Does why he, he is he just, like?
0: Oh, hey, Danny.
2: <laughs> He's like oh, a teenager oh. from an after-school Watch special. Watch out
0: for the croquet mallet; it'll knock our glasses off. Like the kids.
2: The kids at school are stealing stuff, but I don't want to steal on stuff, but I don't want to snitch. Yeah. hes He looks like he's having a 4.30 to 5.00 p.m. <laughs> dilemma on Channel 7.
0: <laughs> oh, but we can't take Mr. Wilson's cans. He's nice to us.
2: His wife left him those cans. We learned a valuable lesson today, friends. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's exactly what he looked like. Um, He was very strange. He was very odd.
2: And he was not a very good ghost supporter, paranormal pal, he fucked off for all of part two. All of
0: it. He was like, I can't I can't be here. I'm sorry. You're on your own, and, kid. And, yeah. When you need me the most, I'm gone. Danny
2: was really scared. How brave would Danny have been if he had a ghost buddy with him all the time? Yeah. Does he manifest, Tony? Or does Tony just like come whenever he's like, oh, by the way, guess what? Your dad didn't turn the crank, so he's gonna blow up. Yeah, it's uh, uh, until... Like, what about that fucking drowned woman that almost ate me upstairs? <laughs> Where were you then, Tones?
0: <laughs> oh, so you could show me a bloody croquet mallet, but you can literally show me nothing else.
2: Yeah, I, I bet you could predict some other things that happened to me.
0: Was there something like because Tony shows up in the hotel, right? Like at least once.
2: Yeah, well he sh- he shows up some at some point on floor two.
0: Oh, because he locks himself in the bathroom.
2: Um, like, no, he shows up in the hallway. Like he he he's mainly warning him about his dad. Yeah. I don't think he's really too into the other ghosts. Like he warns. Um,
0: he wants to know what the crow came out That's and the he first warns thing he Danny
2: sees. when he's first about to go into two seventeen, and then, uh, Jack finds out and gets really pissed about the key. Right. But cause he, but yeah, it's like the, the he wants next some... time he's like not there. He's just gone. Yeah. It's like maybe the actor called in sick on some <laughs> important days. Like, and they were just like, okay, we'll just write out Tony's parts. It's fine. It's no
0: big deal. It's fine. Uh, we'll do some voice. No, we can't do voiceover. Steven hated that in the other one. Hmm. Shit.
2: I liked the pinky. I love well, yeah. I love the pinky. Or the f- Was it a pinky?
0: It might have just been his index finger. It definitely wasn't his pinky. Like he's like Doctor Evil.
2: Me, <laughs> <laughs> <Neast>. Tony. <laughs> yeah, no,
0: I love it. I love that he says that it's a it's a little boy that lives in the back of his throat. Like just it's a weird oh, kid thing. But yeah, right? and that
2: that's a really interesting way for a kid to interpret like a. a a psychic voice cuz
0: he's too young to know what it is yeah. it's just something that happens to him
2: yeah cuz especially too like if if nothing is happening and if the if the overlook isn't haunted like maybe this kid has really early onset schizophrenia oh yeah all right, right. yeah but when we see a physical which is movie-
0: hereditary from dad oh who goes nuts in the hotel fuck yeah yeah all right
2: um there's too many ghosts though in that movie for it to not be ghosts i mean hey <laughs> there's
0: there's really only one ghost no, nah, that's not true. I was going to say, the one that lets there's him There's
2: a shit ton of fucking
0: There's ghosts. a shit ton of ghosts, but like, it's kind of just like, if if Wendy never saw a ghost in the original Shining, um, and... Yeah,
2: if Wendy didn't see any ghosts, then it might it's not... It's just whoever it was, let him out of
0: the freezer. It
2: was more ambiguous. But in this one, so I'm, I'm moving away from Tony here. I want to talk about some ghosts. The ballroom ghosts, I really enjoyed. Yeah, the
0: ballroom stuff's really good.
2: Not necessarily for... So... They take away from the f- scary factor because they're big band and they're jazz and we get to see a lot of musicians. Just gangsters, and you know. there's a bunch of ghosts being kind of fun and having a party. Yeah, because it's
0: basically like an eternal New Year's Eve.
2: Yeah, with all these like rich affluent people and maybe mobsters. Uh, that one woman that's hitting on Jack a bunch, there's a bunch of cool mirror effects where she's rotten in the mirror, which was great. Yeah. I really loved it. She was super glamorous and um the bit with the wolf mask
0: yeah that
2: was interesting and we didn't delve into it too much which i which i kind of enjoy um but it really makes me want to read the sections on it in the book to find out where the story is there because uh i I believe
0: there's a story there
2: i believe the um the in the 1980 film when wendy's walking upstairs when the whole ghost shit's going down and she sees that weird like Bo- guy. blowjob sequence yeah with the mask and the it's definitely the same characters as in this version where there's the the guy almost bdsm style in public topping this this guy in the wolf outfit yeah not necessarily like it's all in jest but he's definitely got him on his hind legs and is walking him around the party <laughs> like there's something going on there
0: yeah. What if uh I, I don't know if this is a term that existed in the 80s maybe it did but like what if what if Stanley Kubrick had just heard about the term like like bears like the, like in in the in in gay culture like oh a bear like hmm I wonder what that is and like probably a guy who dresses up in a bear I'm costume make and just spooky. blows dudes right
2: <laughs> Oh man. Oh uh. He probably just has a sticky note of, like, all these, what are the kids today doing? And then, like, every new book, he pulls ten of those sticky notes. He's like, let's make them scary. <laughs> BDSM. <laughs> I'm going to write The Shining.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was based on?
2: Yeah, like, it all circles around a guy in a wolf outfit. We build from there. <laughs>
0: yeah, like, we really extrapolated it. All right, that. we need
2: to add a writer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Step one. This is how you write a Stephen King novel, kids. Oh, man. Yeah. I love that Elliot Gould is, is touted as this character who is really good at hiding scandal and preserving the overlook. And But just,
2: then he keeps a bunch of boxes yeah! in his fucking basement.
0: Okay, step one. Buy all the newspapers in town that spread gossip. Cool. Great idea. You know those newspapers aren't flammable. So Clip you out gotta- the important pages. <laughs> Leave them as evidence in the basement. Let dust collect on them for a hundred years until a a caretaker just discovers them.
2: It's fun that he gets obsessed about the Overlook, though. Yeah, I
0: like that, too. Because
2: the the Jack that I'm familiar with just is descending into darkness. Yeah. uh, Which is terrifying. Jack Nicholson's performance is amazing. But this Jack is really struggling to give in to that kind of obsession, like he he slips in and out of it in the progression of the um the miniseries which which is maybe lengthened for time because he he kind of goes and reverts back a few times you know what I mean I
0: was gonna say like Steven Weber's performances jack like it it's it's really good it ebbs and flows yeah and
2: that's that's probably to lengthen because we can't have him not going crazy until part three but then when you have him starting to go get irritated and being brash and being rude to his son and being kind of curt with wendy it's it's hard to raise the tension and then just like keep it elevated that long yeah and it's like okay jack like are you all bark no or all bark no bite like get the fucking mouth and let's do this Because he's he's defiant for so much of the the miniseries, and it comes off like a jerk teenager sitting in the back of detention who doesn't want to do anything.
3: Yeah, like he's just
2: being defiant for the sake of just like. Mm, and then I'm at not some point he's this. just like,
0: I'm I'm gonna become a better person, or or maybe I just won't be around anymore. You're like, what does that mean, Jack? Like this guy literally has like a dumb teenager. Like maybe I'll just kill myself then. Maybe that would make everything better. Why did my maybe- son
2: leave the fucking milk out? Oh, Cause man. he's a child. She
0: came downstairs in like a sexy
2: outfit, and she rang, rang the bell. bell.
0: She's just like <laughs> room service, and he's just like, you know, your son did. And she's like, I don't know, ruined our night. <laughs> <laughs>
2: what the fuck did he do, Jack? Oh man, <laughs> I liked Wendy in this. She's great. I Rebecca De Mornay's awesome in this. Yeah, she's
0: an artist. Like she's got, she's got stuff other than just smoking and taking care of this kid.
2: Well, yeah, and she she's kind of challenging on him. Like she's one, she, she very much believes in Danny's abilities, but when Jack doesn't believe that something's going on in the house, like she climbs in that fucking broken elevator shaft and starts throwing glitter and masks at him. Like, what the fuck is this? Jack? (laughs) I liked it.
0: She's good. I I do. like
2: Like I fucking love, um, Screamy blubbering mess Wendy. Yeah, they're the two. 90- they're two completely. They're two things, different Wendy's, right? and they both work in this scenario. We got
0: a Wendy for the late seventies, early eighties, and a Wendy that's more of a modern nineties woman.
2: Yeah, I, I, I liked her. I thought she was great. I mean, it's it unfortunately because because Jack was so not possessed, but in his pre-possession mode for so long. I wanted, that Wendy would have left with her kid. She probably would have died in the snow. I'm
0: with you on that one. I think she would have taken off.
2: By December, yeah. she would have taken off. She
0: would have figured out, she would have trained pigeons in two weeks to send a message.
2: <laughs> she would they had, had snowshoes
0: there. She would have been fine. Yeah,
2: like maybe even like, I'm sure there's shit flying over. Why were we not like dropping onions in the pattern of help me in the snow?
0: <laughs> uh, okay, white onions in white or snow? Or cans
2: of peas. I seriously you say I mean.
0: anything, anything, yeah.
2: I wanted some more resourcefulness from her. I wanted her to have some side strategy, but... Eh.
0: You think maybe there would have been a smoke... Okay, I was going to say, if the place went up in flames, this, the the fire department can't get there anyway. It really doesn't matter. Like, you just set off the smoke detectors and the fire department will hear about it. <laughs> They'll
2: come right up the hill. They'll send a
0: plane.
2: <laughs> yeah. It, n-
0: Halloran shows up just as usual and gets knocked out. He doesn't die. Yeah, he doesn't which get is killed. Okay. Which is cool. I don't think he gets killed in the book, right?
2: I well I guess not. He's he becomes like new dad. Yeah, basically.
0: But I don't know <laughs> but Platonic
2: this, dad. By the
0: sounds of it, he's like he's like a cool uncle who checks in every once in a while, like I've been okay, so the end of the movie, like the epilogue of the fucking movie. They they get there and it's his graduation and he's like, hey, "'Uh, sorry I'm late.'" She goes, "'It's okay, you, you're just in time for the best part.'" He goes, "'I've been meaning to ask you, how are things going?' How's the gallery? She goes, oh, well, you know, the first year's pretty good. Uh, You know, we're finally breaking even. Like, guys, you were having a full-on conversation during a high school or college graduation.
2: Watch your fucking son get his goddamn hat or whatever. it's
0: 1997. Every single person in that audience has a gigantic cam recorder, and you are talking over their precious memories.
2: (laughs) Um, And then we find out that Danny is Tony.
0: Okay, so we're going to get into it now. Yeah.
2: Why Tony? Okay, so... Danny Torrance, I T O.
0: Oh, and why?
2: Even... Oh, it's the beginning of Torrance and the end of Danny. Okay, I figured it out.
0: Good work.
2: I fucking anagrammed that shit. Huh? Got it.
0: Why couldn't he have found a name that? Red oh. Rum. I was going to say something that was backwards. Like, why couldn't his name have sounded like a real name, but it was backwards? It was, oh, my God, it's actually my name. Okay, this makes sense now. Now, I don't think You're that... that I, I
2: <laughs> Everybody would have got it. Well, yeah, everybody
0: would have got it. But they, they maybe not w- wouldn't have gotten it until the Red Rum situation, yeah. right? Uh, which is fine, but I don't think that was in the original book when i was on wikipedia the wiki uh, the epilogue red rum wasn't no, no no red rum red rum was but oh. i mean uh danny being tony oh. uh, i think that one that was a change because now they're dealing in a visual medium so maybe it makes more sense to do harder to do in a book but uh, the epilogue in the book from what i understand is that it's just like oh hey i'm teaching the kid how to cook now oh <laughs> cuz that's that's what doc halloran does
2: also he in... gets to
0: see his dad again yeah. though like he sees the ghost of his dad
2: and Jack's just like good job son good sir. job son and so he's like a good ghost dad he
0: actually repeats something that he's saying like in a menacing way at the end of the of his life um
2: Because Jack goes down to the ship because the the overlook explodes because he was too possessed to do his maintenance duties and he didn't crank the burner or the broiler or whatever.
0: Okay, but... And the broiler go boom. We're, oh, man, I don't know what to talk about first.
2: Um. <laughs> do you think the ghosts would have that pretty high on their priority list as well? Because they're like, oh, no, we're all out in the snow now. <laughs> <laughs> well, they keep saying things like
0: time is of the essence, sir. We need the boy. There's only a little bit yeah, of time like, yes, left. yes,
2: you need the boiler. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: These fucking ghosts. They can't get a goddamn word straight. And that's not even why they were saying time is of the essence. I think they're talking about Dick Halloran. Because oh, when he's, he's down there with the boiler, they're just like, oh my god, we also forgot about the boiler.
2: <laughs> the ghosts are like, oh,
0: Yeah. Uh, I thought you were on this one, Grady. Like, I was only the, the caretaker for like
2: eight months. I totally, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's true. There were a bunch of caretakers in that building.
0: <laughs> okay, so if he killed his kids, how come the boiler didn't, the place didn't blow up because, oh, it's because it's the, like, 30s. Okay.
2: <laughs> like, they didn't need it
0: <laughs> no they didn't need to right like it's, oh, it's the depression everyone wore to coats <laughs> and they liked it oh, uh, boy. no but that, I think that boiler was brand new from the 30s but it's uh... so old now that the pressure valve is broken so he's got to go do it manually so, two things. One, uh, see, he keeps saying to his wife, like, do you remember on our honeymoon? Like, he's, like, menacing her with, like, where are those lips that I need kissing? They're the lips that I've been missing. You're like, what? Okay. And he's like, you remember when I when I sang that to you on our honeymoon? <laughs> You almost peed your pants. Not that you were wearing any. Like, what are you doing? Ew. What? What? Stop. Also, he has like a really inappropriate TMI. conversation with his wife and kid about like a girl that he used to sleep with from high school. Like, I used to have one of those cars. Was more familiar with the back of it. Am I right? You're like, what? <laughs> what? You're with your kid right <laughs> now, man.
2: Go back to your fake bar. So, and,
0: yeah. <laughs> and then he says that to her a bunch. Uh while he's like about to kill her with a weird overly sized croquet mallet, and stop
2: then, knocking the mallet the <laughs> end of the
0: fucking movie to say goodbye to Danny he says. Uh, those are the those are the lips that I'll be missing. Like, he wants to kiss his son longingly on the cheek. And then he says it to him at his graduation, and then Danny, like, repeats it to him, like, that's the kiss I've been missing. And he, like, he catches the kiss that his ghost dad blew him and puts it on his cheek. <laughs> and everybody in the audience is just like, this is normal. This is normal.
2: That kid's got undiagnosed schizophrenia. They're yeah. Like, no, it's okay. He is the, the ghost that was visiting him when he was a kid. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay.
0: I don't get any of that. And now,
2: Dad is Tony, I guess.
0: Oh man, like they're just—they're just trying to reuse that phrase like eight different ways in—in—in in, in just as many minutes, and it does not work for me. Because it's
2: poetic.
0: Yeah, I it's bet it poetry. was poetry. So the end of the movie, uh, before the place blows up, they're like, "We gotta get out of here. We gotta get out of here now." But then Danny's like, "No, wait, wait." dad's still alive and he like has a conversation with his dad and his dad's like finally snapped out of it a little bit jack has snapped out of it enough to to be like i love you danny i love you dad but then danny's just like you know what you have to do right dad he's like you got it doc i can do it danny literally tells his dad to crank the boiler and blow the place up he could have said Crank it the other way, give yourself two minutes, and come run out with us. Let's get out of the ghost house so we can all be a nice family You're again. Like,
2: no, you have to suicide mission. <laughs> yeah, you, you
0: hit rock bottom, Dad. I'm sorry. Remember
2: when you broke my arm last summer? <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, man. And then
2: the end of the movie is actually just like Mum driving down the hill and Danny does shifty eyes in the yeah. backseat. dun 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 dun
0: dun, 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 dun. Okay, yeah, I I meant to do, like, the weird Simpsons, like, jog, but it turned into James Bond.
2: It was (laughs) okay.
0: Is there any other...
2: My favorite part, probably, is when Halloran is in some diner in Florida, and when Danny shouts at him, he has, like, a heart attack in the diner. (laughs) (laughs) And so he's like, are you all right? And he's like... I wish it were me. And he's like having a heart attack and walking out of the diner all like shaky legged. And everybody just lets this old man go who was like on the floor of the diner. And they're it's
0: like, okay. A little boy is yelling at me with his mind from across the country. I'm
2: going to the mountains.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, oh that dick. <laughs>
2: yeah. And they're like, do you want us to wrap up your pie? <laughs> Where I'm going, I do not need pie.
0: pie. <laughs> I swear to God, the guy that he gets the snowcat from, or whatever it's called, Sam Raimi, right? Um, where he gets like the—that's what you said. That's what I said. Okay. But, so I mean, I neither just, of us did research. I don't know
2: what Sam Raimi looks like. I only know what Ted Raimi looks like, and I say it kind of looks like half of Ted Raimi. So. He looks—he looks, he looks yes. the same, just
0: a little older, <laughs> and wears the suit most days. Yes. Uh also uh Cynthia or sorry the the woman uh, who is the crazy de- decomposing lady in the tub is uh Cynthia Garrus. Oh really? McCarus's wife, yeah.
2: I wanted more out of that scene because you know you know that the room 217 scene is longish in the book. It's got to be some some good Hardiness of the book. I can't remember, unfortunately. I guess. I remember being really scary when I read it. I remember having to take a break after I read it because I was really scared.
0: So scary you kept
2: it in the freezer? Sure. Um, <laughs> especially when Jack goes up there and and there's a really cool thing about the lipstick in the, in the mirror and uh, when he finally sees her and, she, and the sound of the water filling the tub. But I didn't get enough. Like, I really wanted him to be seduced by her. Yeah. Especially because he kept, like, ditching his family to go investigate these ghosts. <laughs> and we were like... Mm, jack i think you're being untoward about like this. the
0: door was open he came in he's like mm, i don't know no croquet mallets in here probably nothing
2: <laughs> he threw his croquet mallet when the ghost came and he was like bah! Ah! He, he left it there he obviously had to go retrieve it like i'm sure there were a bunch of the shed but he mm. had one of preference <laughs> so funny okay so i think we're ready to do ratings first.
0: one out of four. <laughs>
2: oh, john one out of four. Oh, um I'm going to go two out of four, but it does have a a made-for-TV bump for me. Okay, that's fine. I I mean, like, hey,
0: there's some really cool stuff. Like, I I love the way uh, Jack looks at the end. Especially when he's got, like, that demon face. But also just when he's, like, bloodied and his his teeth are sort of, like, bashed in. He's really fucking creepy beaten up. Um, But, yeah, it's it's melodramatic beyond its means for me.
2: Yeah, and it is kind of long. It's a really long format for what it is. Especially because... It really has to sustain, like, Jack's going crazy, but we're stuck with him for a while. Yeah,
0: he's got to keep having, like, bad days and, like, going back to being great. It's just, like, when he goes back to being great, it's, like, everything's normal. Well, and
2: especially two-thirds of the people believe that the house is haunted from episode one. So it's, like, we don't really have a lot of spooking to happen beyond, like, oh, those ghosts that I believe in were scary. Like, there's no, nothing, nobody's reason gets shooketh.
0: Yeah, and the, the the mythology with Danny's shining ability, like awakening and making the house more powerful and stuff. Like it's just, it's, it's, there's too much of it. And it really complicates the story for me.
2: Yeah. I think I prefer Jack being the interest of the hotel and Danny's ability being this really interesting, um, added ingredient to this chaos.
0: Rather than it feeding the hotel, you mean? Yeah,
2: because in this one, the... The overlooked ghosts are using Jack to, get, to Danny. get Danny. Yeah. Because Danny would help them, like, basically beacon themselves or whatever. Which I guess makes sense, but I don't know. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I... I Especially,
2: I, like, Jack, like, the, the you've always been the caretaker is the best fucking line from anything ever written, ever. Well, yeah,
0: because it's like, you've always been this horrible, and it's just, or you've always been this person, and we are bringing that out in you. Like, the house doesn't necessarily possess him to be something he's not. It makes him all of the horrible things and none of the good. Versus this, where they literally are taking a quote-unquote good guy who maybe has some weak moments and turning him into a monster. Mm
2: -hmm. Well, and it also puts time into question. Like, maybe his spirit is, one way or another, will always find its its rest in that spot. Or, like, he's always been fated to end up here, like... There's something really interesting about your destiny being something so fucked up and dark and having to willfully jump off that cliff into your own abyss. Like, that's a fucking cool dark thing. Yeah. And having it be for the sake of Danny really lessens the weight of that, and I just think that line is so fucking magical. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so a two out of four from me, one out of four from you. I think it's totally worth watching. Hopefully, you're into made for TV stuff. If oh, you it's are, worth- it's
0: definitely worth watching.
2: I would check it out. It is quite long, though. I wouldn't watch it all in one stretch like we did. We uh, we definitely binged it over like two and a half days, so it was it was a lot to take in.
0: Hey, I think uh, everybody who watched it on television when it came out binged it. Quote unquote. Well, yeah, because it was days. Like, It
2: was all in the one week, right?
0: Yeah, it was like I don't know, isn't it Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday? I, I don't, I don't know what how what day as it was, but, um, but yeah, the adverts that we were seeing was like tomorrow part two, and then like later this week the conclusion. Uh, had to put a break in there for playoff season or something.
2: But moving on to another miniseries. Made for television, we're going to talk about Rose Red. Rose Red was built by John P. Rimbauer. What makes Rose Red one of the world's most fascinating
1: psychic artifacts? Is that after 1950, Rose Red grew on its own. Follow me and prepare to be amazed.
2: It's so wild, like something in a funhouse. The important thing is not to go off wandering. Where's Annie? Annie?
1: you wanted this place to wake up, I'd say you've been successful. If some houses are bored bad. Annie, what is it? I insist you stay a little longer. <laughs> this one. We shouldn't be here! It's feeding office. Was created. It's stuck again. She means to have her proof, even if someone has to die for her to get it. In hell. <laughs> 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 Stephen King's Rose Red.
2: So Rose Red from 2002. Sitting at six point out of. <laughs> sitting at. 6.8 out of 10 on IMDb, and 8.3 out of 10 on TV.com, the authority on television, oh, yeah. 45% on Rotten Tomatoes, and 3.0 out of 5 on Letterboxd.
0: If you had to, just going off your memory, and how you felt the first time you watched Rose Red, how do you think 2002 you would have rated this 4 movie? out of 4. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Ask me what 2019 me says.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it.
2: No, it's, I, uh, there are... You want to just
0: give me a rating now so we can skip the rest of this episode? No, That'd shoosh, be great. Shush.
2: <laughs> Shush. Um, I am really actually excited to talk about this because I have been in Camp Rose Red the entirety of our relationship. This may have been the first time I actually got you to sit down and watch the whole thing. I watched this last year and the year before that. And I think the year before that. Like, and I'm going to say right <laughs> now,
0: I think it's cheating. I think I think you've been unfaithful to me with this movie. I told you, you it was- You kept every single one of those watchings from me. And I, for some reason, never heard of it. You were never it. interested. That sounds like cheating.
2: Because I was like, it's a t- TV made-for-TV movie that Stephen King wrote. It's four whole parts. It's like seven hours long. It's great. And you were like- i'd seen it
0: before i didn't like it
2: so i would watch it during the day
0: there are plenty plenty of made for tv stephen king things that i would watch right now name one the storm of the century name two <laughs> the langoliers it's not good i love it though oh boy do i love it
2: name three
0: <laughs> would you like a third one no, no, no i'm gonna go with that three-part episode of the x-files
2: that he wrote that.
0: Yeah, it was with a doll, like a crazy killer doll.
2: Oh, um,
0: it was like a psychic girl who had a
2: doll. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this out there and say that. Rose Red is the greatest made for TV Stephen King thing ever done and I, I will second that it is. Only seen a TV the other movie. one that we talked about in this episode. <laughs> I'm comparing it to two. No,
0: T. no, you've seen the Langoliers. You've seen Some of Golden Years. Isn't that years.
2: like flying meatballs in an airport? They
0: do look like weird sort of Pac-Man that eat the past
2: in an airport.
0: I'm very into it though. Right? Yeah, in an airport.
2: Yeah. So Rose Red's great. It's wonderful. And you have to admit mm-hmm. First two episodes are the greatest Stephen King story you've ever watched.
0: I don't have to admit that.
2: You do. Because you said it while we were watching it. You were like, this is actually really great. And I was like, yeah.
0: (laughs) Remind me what was so good about it.
2: Admit it.
0: Defend this movie. Admit it. No. (laughs) You really, really. I'm going to. In your heart, you really want me to like this movie. I do. (laughs) Aw. I do remember, I'm sorry, take that pen away from me. Thank you. <laughs> um, I, I do remember being very surprised with the with how? first how? Quality. Two. <laughs> the first... <laughs> there are some incredible shots in this movie. Uh, like, there are some dope fucking scenes in this movie. Go
2: on. But,
0: <laughs> but. And? I think this movie uh, has helped me realize something that has bugged me about a lot of these movies. And it also was something that bugged me about Annabelle comes home when we saw it. I don't think I like psychics. I think that's what it comes down to. I'm, I'm all about a seance. Get me a fucking seance. But I want that psychic to come in, and then I want her to get the fuck out. I, I want I want a dope ectoplasm, automatic writing seance with bells ringing and shit, and then and then I want them to do the rest of the detective work themselves. As okay, human beings.
2: All right, I will agree that I wanted more séance in this movie. There was yeah. no séance. For a lot of for a heck of a bunch of psychics getting together, there was no séance. I fucking loved that it was psychics. I loved that every single character was psychics. Also, you need to go into this understanding that it was a originally pitched as a House on a Haunted Hill remake that Mm. became the 1999 haunting film. And um, Stephen King, I guess, wrote his pitch for it. And they were like, I don't know, Stephen, this wasn't really what they were going for. And he like clapped his papers down on the desk. What do you mean? You don't want a crazy professor rubbing blood all over somebody's face? Come on. And he's like, I'll see you later. I got to go, I got a show to make. And he did. And it's wonderful. It is the greatest Stephen King's adaptation of The Haunting of Hill House. Ever made.
0: This is a bold statement, yeah. Because
2: it's the only one that ever existed. Um, So let's talk about Annie, because no Stephen King story is complete without a psychic child with the power of rocks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Especially! Is that not how... Carrie ends as well with rocks yeah because like okay in the movie like the house like collapses and stuff but I swear to god in the book it's just rocks like (laughs) like they (laughs) rain from the sky and just bury the house that's also why in the movie like when they go to see the graveyard the house is just yeah but didn't
2: Stephen King get in that comet accident when he was younger maybe that's
0: (laughs) 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 oh this also explains the The creep creep show show. (laughs) yeah of course yeah and then he got over that and unfortunately, Langoliers, it was lingering a little bit. Of <laughs> he tapped back into it for House and haunted Hill. It was really deep and personal. Oh boy! And then, and then, just as he thought another meteor was coming, turns out it was a big old truck. And then we got a bunch of stuff of it. About- truck accidents That's the little terrible. While. no but, okay have you not seen kingdom hospital I, another tv mini that one was good too was it it was really it funny. had a talking anteater i
2: know and he was like <laughs> so sinister it. That, oh but and that, he was it, like come to this other side of the hospital that doesn't make sense and we were like we will and there's, there's every doctors. night at nine. yeah there were a <laughs>
0: lot of parts to that thing and it didn't quite finish but it, it didn't really make sense no and Part of it's because he wrote it while he was drugged
2: up, I think. Like, they are like, let's that's, make it.
0: That's also why Dreamcatcher doesn't work. And he's fully admitted he wrote a lot of it in the hospital bed on pain medication. <laughs> he's like, oh, you know it would be good? Toilet monster. But you know what? Toilet- Honey, monster.
2: give me more papers. <laughs> Bring more papers.
0: <laughs> Steven, you're writing on your cast. <laughs> Print it.
2: Send it to my agent.
0: <laughs> this thing smells like dead skin. <laughs> Just get it out of my office. You can do whatever you want with it.
2: <laughs> oh, boy. Um. So let's talk about the setup of Rose because we haven't really talked about much of the plot, just about how much you hate psychics, which is wrong, which is an incorrect statement. Um. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. much like The Haunting of Hill House, we have a professor who's setting up some kind of a study.
0: With a bunch of psychics.
2: With a bunch of psychics. What's really been expanded in this version is that... We've we've kind of really delved into like the push and pull of her professional work. How there's a lot on there's a lot at stake here for her because what she's doing is against um, what her dean or her school. I think it's just a
0: rival professor. Yeah, right? what
2: what he thinks is appropriate for their faculty. Um, she's doing more like paraphysics. Parascience, whatever you want to call it.
0: Parapsychology. Sure. She's a psychologist, isn't yeah. she? Yeah.
2: And uh, he thinks that's not cool. He thinks he's making a laughing stock of um, this their university. So, which
0: is interesting because she's not using the university whatsoever. She says. Uh, Well, she's she's, rented
2: some gear or whatever. Yeah,
0: she's rented some gear with her own money. She's paying everybody with her own money. And it's not like she's put a sign out front that says, like, coming next year, uh, courtesy of (laughs) this prestigious university, (laughs) this laugh out loud riot of a ghost story. And,
2: you know, everything is working out pretty good for her because she's- Screwing the ancestor of the Rose Red, so she could kind of go to the Rose Red any fucking time she wants. She
0: definitely doesn't have to pay to be uh,
2: there. No, she, she just definitely just kinda, like, asked does. Him really nice. Yeah, which it, that doesn't really make sense why they have a relationship, but whatever. It's, there is
0: there is a pretty great moment though where she's like, I don't understand what you have against this house, and he's like, Oh, maybe it's just that it keeps eating all of my ancestors. <laughs> that
2: was a great line. <laughs> That's
0: fucking great. Um, and which then, is why I'm coming with you. By the way, he should not be. He there. should.
2: Yeah, he should not be there. And, and it turns out he's psychic, too, because everybody has to be fucking psychic.
0: Everybody the professor. Everybody's so
2: special. <laughs> but so she's really trying to get Annie. She's got a bunch of other psychics lined up. But Annie is this one that she cannot convince because Annie is like a 15-year-old autistic girl who has telepathy or telekinetic powers, whatever. She's got it all. She can do whatever the fuck she wants and she is being cared for by her sister who everybody calls sister. Ugh. I didn't really like it either. Um and her parents are really reluctant because people don't really understand her and they're kind of fearful of her. So sister ends up bringing Annie kind of secretly.
0: Yeah, I mean the that distrust definitely comes from the girl. Um <laughs> <laughs> that killing the neighbors. <laughs> like, there's no there's no way to, to mince words. It's the opening scene of the movie. This is the hailing rocks we were talking about. Um, she had drawn a little picture of the neighbor's house next door, and then she just started draw, drawing draw, fucking meteors slamming through it. <laughs> and then this old couple who was who was relaxing with a nice cocktail after putting their dog down <laughs> was murdered by rocks. It's a wild opening scene.
2: Yeah, it was really weird. And, like, they, we had to establish that... Annie really likes Glenn Miller.
0: <laughs> yeah, loves Glenn Miller. It's
2: probably like the they're like we're buying this one song, so we gotta get. You.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I, I think Glenn Miller's probably also a bunch of like American standards. Mm, you don't have to pay for those. Makes sense. Everybody likes a good clarinet, a little ghost clarinet. Yeah, I know who Glenn Miller is. What of it?
2: So this is where I I find Rose Red is at its best before we even get to the house because. Stephen King has written such a rich backstory for this house and it's kind of this marriage between all of the Haunted House films that we're familiar with and also like a bit of the Winchester House. I think
0: this is why you really like this movie.
2: It is exactly why I really like this movie. He's written this character, Ellen Rimbauer, who's married this man and he built this wonderful marital house for her and it took forever to build and she almost died in like the wilderness of this crazy disease and... uh she just had a really interesting backstory and then kind of like Helen Winchester, Ellen, kind of like the Winchester widow, she kind of went senile in her end years and kept building and expanding on the house. So much
0: so that she left blueprints uh, and instructions in her will for construction to continue. But the real spooky part is that even after her death, and after all of those construction workers went home, work still continued on the house. New rooms were being built by ghosts.
2: That's wonderful. That
0: is actually very cool. I really, <laughs> I really do enjoy that.
2: What's done really well in this series that I think Stephen King has done in most everything is the flashback. And... We really didn't enjoy it in the Shining miniseries. We were really not feeling those flashbacks. But I think the flashbacks in Rose Red are so justified because we're seeing all of these glimpses of these different people that went missing. And it's really engrossing because you want to know more about Rose Red. She is the main character of this story. Mm -hmm. And um, they keep calling her a dormant cell and that in bringing these psychics to Rose Red, the professor is trying to jumpstart it like a car almost. And so seeing Rose Red during her heyday and all these glimpses are so like spooky magical. Like I love when we see the the starlet in the ballroom and mm-hmm. um, all those moments. And like whenever we get to see Ellen Rimbauer and her maid and just these little glimpses of stories. I think it's wonderful. I could have watched that for eight more episodes.
0: Yeah, no, I'm definitely with you. The the flashbacks in this are pretty great. And uh, I wasn't groaning every time we went to one when we watched it this time. It feels like it stretches the movie out. But in a good way, because I think we do need to have an understanding of how elegant the house was Mm -hmm. uh, before we can really sort of appreciate how creepy it is now.
2: Yeah. And there's also a big point that I didn't really notice until this watching to establish that the house is in the middle of Seattle. It is right by the highway. Like the city grew around it.
0: Which is so weird.
2: Which is... It's interesting because normally these kinds of houses are isolated. Mm. They are far out. They're on a huge, expansive stretch of property. But that was probably the case when it was built.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: And now the world has kind of continued on around it. And then inside the gates is this old Victorian-style mansion.
0: Yeah, and six months from now, uh, six months after they set foot through the door, uh, the uh, owner plans to bulldoze it. And she tries to, you know, oh, you know, if you just held onto it for a little while longer, there's no telling what we'd be able to learn from this place. And he's like, nah, fuck it. It's creepy. I want it gone. <laughs>
2: condos. Yeah,
0: condos, baby. Right in the heart of the city, this place is. Man, they, it'd be so great. It, there's there's your rose red continued series. Season one, they bulldoze it down. Season two, the condos are under construction and every floor is more haunted than the next.
2: <laughs> So, like, as much as I love the setup, that whole big scene where we first meet the psychics and they're doing that kind of download on Rose Red conference where the professor's got her, like, slides, and she's, um, almost for a whole episode telling the history of Rose Red. Shush. It's wonderful. (laughs) It's great. That, for me, is the best part of the whole series, and then when we finally get to the house... Shit starts happening so fast that it doesn't quite match the pacing of the beginning half of the Mm. series. And I loved the beginning half. So when stuff starts happening, you're like, oh, my God, is it almost over? And then it's over. It feels very rushed almost because characters die like three characters die in the span of like five minutes.
0: Oh, yeah. Within the first night, they're just picked off. Yeah. You would think that this thing would have to wake up a little bit. Stretch kind of sub- its stretches, muscles. like that. Yeah, maybe that eat a house? kid in the greenhouse. <laughs> that
2: greenhouse is flourishing within hours. Girl plays dominoes in there once, and then it's like roses. <laughs> We're back.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, it doesn't help that uh, that Kevin, the really shitty journalist student, has been hired by Mister Mister Asshole Professor. Uh, is has come into the house to try and get there before them and just lurk around and just get photos of them, you know, being all silly psychic-y, you know? <laughs> the, the guy doesn't have any words for it. He's just like, it's an embarrassment to the entire... Uh, institution! Like, what, they, they hold some hands and they take some photos of some light orbs? Like, what the, what's the big deal with that? Um, if it's not good research, it's not gonna get published anywhere, so she's ending her career if it's this if this is as bad a mistake as you say it is. But he he's in that house for five minutes before they lock him in a room and take him
2: out. Yeah, he is dead immediately.
0: By wasps. That's a horrible way to go. I don't wanna die by hot wasps.
2: Or, like, bad CGI wasps. Okay. Yeah,
0: bad CGI wasps. He comes back, though. It's not the last time we see Kevin. Shortly after Kevin is, is taken care of by the house, uh Rose Red claims her first victim, the whole shebang of psychics show up. We should probably detail what some of these characters do.
2: Yeah, because they all are basically hired for like different abilities, which is really fun and interesting. Unfortunately, yeah. a lot of them die before they get to like really mm. shine with their abilities. Um, So there's Annie, who we know is the girl who is super te- uh, tele- telekinetic. Tele-
0: She's got it all.
2: Yep. There's Kathy, who is the nicer, older lady. She is an automatic writer. No,
0: oh, that does not come soon enough.
2: <laughs> and There's Emery, who is this like really neurotic... Um, he's the best. ...wiener, basically. Oh, he's the
0: biggest wiener.
2: He can see ghosts and spirits kind of thing, past horrors. He's definitely the most haunted of the bunch. Um, there is Nick, Who's this British, very kind, all-knowing psychic? We never really understand his ability, but he's definitely in tune with like how everybody's feeling and what everybody's experiencing. Yeah,
0: he wakes up before everybody. He knows how to make eggs. He's just
2: very grounded. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then there's Pam, who is a like a touch psychic, so she gets feelings and thoughts and memories from touching objects. Like for instance, when they get to Rose Red, she touches the door. And she says the line that the ghost says to Kevin, the photographer, when he ar- when he arrived earlier that day, which is like, "Hello, we've been expecting you," or something like that, which mm, is right. super fun, super spooky. And then, last but not least, there is Victor, the older man. Do you remember what his ability was?
0: Oh, uh, future. I think future. Future. Yeah, yeah, he's always scribbling in his notebook. I remember talking about that because, like, if 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 if, if, I, if I was one of the people in this group. And I saw him scribbling down in his notebook. I would immediately just stop what I was doing and be like, hey, hey what's going on, Victor? Tell me what's up. Because if, if I'm not supposed to take another step, I'm not taking that step. <sighs> he seems like the one guy they should have all protected. He's one of the first to go, and for good reason, I think.
2: Well, actually, Pam is the first to go. It's She's a good
0: one disposed
2: of in the night, basically. So everybody kind of has something spooky happen that first night. Um, the girls, Annie and sister, have something coming out of their closet. Pam and... Kathy are seeing each other
3: yeah um,
2: unfortunately Pam follows ghost Kathy out and about into the pond Big outside mistake. Big and then
0: mistake.
2: she gets drowned and then next morning unfortunately Victor gets led by dead Pam over yeah. to to real Pam's body yeah. and then has a heart attack outside
0: yeah and then basically crows pick at his face for the rest of the movie because
2: Rose Red is just like we're gonna lock the windows and this is gonna be fun everybody's gonna be stuck inside it's gonna be great
0: but when Pam before Pam dies and she's still in her room and she's first hearing those sounds uh literally like one of the best shots in, in forever um where she hears something behind her and she's just like slowly turning around like it's it's hard to describe but you guys should totally watch this this miniseries specifically for this fucking scene it's just a close-up on her eyeballs as she's like panning around just super wide-eyed and scared and it looks so goddamn good
2: There are a lot of shots that are great in this. Agreed. Um, And it's so funny when they were when they first arrived to Rose Red and they're doing the fun tour of all of the quirky rooms in this house. The second they got into the upside down room, John just like turned to me because I've mentioned it so many times. I I think I've mentioned it a few times on this podcast. Probably. And he was stunned silent. Was I? With how wonderful (laughs) and how jaw droppingly stunning the upside-down room was.
0: I picked my jaw up off my chin, and I continued on with the rest of that movie. But
2: you were forever changed.
0: Oh, <laughs> I'm a different person. I can tell you that.
2: Because the door was secret and hidden from everyone.
0: It was a cool-ass room. I really enjoyed it. It looked just as good, if not better, than the upside-down room in Escape Room. That's just the comparison I'm drawing right now because it's the most recent. But it looked awesome. It yeah. looked great.
2: And there was that whole glass... Gymnasium Dance room I was
0: trying to remember What that was specifically Yeah That
2: also had books in it I think
0: <laughs> Yeah it's just supposed To look like a Like a mirrored image Of itself mm-hmm. Yeah and and essentially th- another, another upside down room But mirrored
2: uh, And then there was That fun ass hallway That was like
0: Oh your rope ends here
2: Perspective weird <laughs>
0: <laughs> Oh my mistake I'm Yeah where it was like Shrinky dinky <laughs> Yeah
2: Yeah and then When they Cause they're They're pulling a rope With them as they do The house tour Because uh, we all nightmares. know The house changes
0: Yeah and better than breadcrumbs.
2: Apparently not, though. Because uh, when they turn around to go back, the rope is going straight through a wall.
0: It's pretty great. Which
2: was wonderful. Okay, so here's so the thing. good.
0: Here's the thing. I do have a very clear memory of, I, you know, I think I rented this from the video store as like a six VHS pack. <laughs> and I was probably I probably got it because I was sick. So that, that definitely maybe colored my first watching of this movie. But I do remember getting to this part. Where they're trying to figure out, oh, what are we going to do? How are we going to get through this, this, this wall? And like, ooh, I know. We'll just get the little psychic girl, put her hands on it and be like, ooh, you think real hard, little psychic girl. You push that wall. Oh, push that wall. And then, and then they do and it flies back and everybody's like, oh my God, she pushed that wall and it flew so far back and everybody's like, oh my God. And I was like, fuck this movie. I was so over it at that point um but it's not a bad scene like I'm I'm just trying to say that is how (laughs) that is how I felt when I first watched it because I was probably just like real fat and just like on my couch just like oh what are they gonna do they're just gonna they're just gonna push that wall uh oh they push that wall yeah I guess you could push that wall like I was I was in that high. you're just
2: gonna attribute that to the fact that you had a deathly high fever and you were delusional (laughs) i think so at what is good or not good
0: (laughs) yeah I, i think this movie really came along at a point in my life where i was overly critical about everything um but that scene was was good to- <laughs> <laughs> watching i'm having a hard time because i i know how much you love this movie I'll and fight. i don't <laughs>
2: I'll- I'll i will lose you. that
0: fight i guarantee it i will
2: fight you here and now on this podcast <laughs>
0: I just I don't have the love for this that you do. And it's it's quite possibly mostly a nostalgia love. Like, you like it, it's good.
2: He's trying to justify and justify you... my love <laughs> of roast Red.
0: <laughs> when you put it like that, it's pretty shitty. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're a smart lady. You must like it for these reasons. <laughs>
2: You've just made a mistake. <laughs> Uh, I will admit, though, that the the final episodes kind of lose the love, like, the luster. It just becomes like, bang, boom, Rose Red's got to kill some people, let's get out. And when it finally hits, kind of, it's like, oh, this is the plot now, um... They basically tell us Annie is holding the doors closed and Professor Joyce, who's got them all there, is, like, mad with power and doesn't care that people are dying and is just like, we gotta just keep doing science. But it's like, okay, let's rewind this back to the the day that we were all at the university and Annie was there and your professor guy was like, you don't can't find any proof of the paranormal or whatever. And then literally on university grounds Annie was spinning bike wheels because yeah. she was nervous Like she was
0: literally playing they, with everything in sight
2: they do not need to go to Rose Red for proof of the paranormal they just need to spend 20 minutes with Annie yeah they just
0: need to turn their head to the left like just pan the camera a little that bit that would have
2: been a lot safer they could have just videoed Annie doing some fun shit and then they could have vacationed at Rose Red for fun
0: <laughs> look at all them pretty fun oh man let's go dance <laughs> on that upside down floor
2: yeah, because just so like so, it happens so fast, and we spent so much time setting up Rose Red as this beautiful haunted house that the um, the ghost kind of didn't live up to that like romantic hype that we were sold. Because Pam and then the ghost of this actress who died slash went missing in the ballroom begin haunting Emory, and they're like trying to seduce him in their like skeletony way, oh, which man. is funny and silly, but. Actually, it's really great when the hand goes over him and he's in his bed and it's got painted red nails and it's like a crazy corpse hand.
0: Yeah, and literally the only woman who's ever touched him is his mother. <laughs> so he doesn't really know how to handle it. And then other. she shows up. Yeah, he really cannot escape this woman. She <laughs> is a horrible human being. She's scarier than any of the ghosts in this movie. I'll say it. I do want to point out, though, that when 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 Emery manages to shake off the, the seduction from these two ghostly figures. Oh, he's
2: like, I'm hard up, but not that hard up. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's too funny. They they slam a door on his hand, and they chop off his fingers with it. And it's wild. It's crazy. His fucking fingers are gone. Uh, and everybody comes running upstairs, because obviously he's screaming. And they're like, oh, my. They've got your fingers, haven't they? <laughs> like no one is like, oh, that's so terrible. Let's get him a napkin. Like no one is freaking out that much. Everybody's Not really even chill. Every.
2: Well, and there is a dead guy just outside the door that we haven't really like felt the weight of yet, and we never feel the weight of that d- guy no. being dead outside or Pam being missing. Nobody's found Pam's body. They're just like, I think she's dead, and then we, <laughs> because this this is a train just trucking on like at full speed. We do not stop to wonder about dead people. At the end of the movie, there was the ghost of that British guy came and appeared in the window, and I was like, did he die? (laughs) (laughs) I remember him with the girl with glasses.
0: I do not remember seeing
3: him die either. And they were
2: in the kitchen, and then, like, they were in the attic, and we discovered that um, Ellen Rimbauer's husband was cheating on her, and that she maybe had a gay relationship with her maid. But it's only being alluded to; it's not proof. And then,
0: hey, do they retcon that at all? In ghosts
2: are mean. I don't remember. Okay. I so I wanted to get into the the Diary of Ellen Rimbauer, but they replaced the actress. Who played Ellen? And mm. I was not okay with that because the actress who plays Ellen is the bitch from Romy and Michelle's high school anniversary or reunion or whatever oh,
0: anniversary. Eh? <laughs> when you say bitch, you mean like leader of We're the cheerleaders. We're weather girls. Oh, good. Her. Okay. Fuck. That's a good movie.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Which she's like. Well, at least I didn't get fat. <laughs> We're pregnant.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, what a solid movie. It's not a. What horror is her rec-
2: name? Something, something put magnets on your back. <laughs> oh.
0: Okay, we gotta move on. Um, but yeah, seriously, not a horror recommendation. <laughs> you
2: should tell totally
0: watch what and Michelle's high school reunion is pretty solid. It's got Janine Garofalo. Boom, it's almost a genre movie, right?
2: <laughs> um Who is your favorite psychic of the psychic?
0: Oh, Emery. <laughs> Emery's the best. Emery is 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 such a dick <laughs> he's such an asshole um but the the actor playing him he makes uh i, I wish i could remember his name he's 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 great and everything that i see him in he makes such weird choices but he is such a dick now okay if we're talking about just like psychic ability mm-hmm. um we don't get enough of her but kathy I think, the older woman. The yeah, she's writing. my favorite too. She's awesome. She's, she's so
2: pleasant. Yeah,
0: but like we oh, we don't get enough automatic writing. And the, when we do, it's it's really not that great. Uh, well, they're okay. just writing. It's almost like Looking at each other. Yeah, just they're writing, like automatic each... writing
2: talking. <laughs> yeah. Like IMing each <laughs> other. <laughs> exactly.
0: Oh, man. Yeah.
2: And maybe they didn't want to do a big automatic writing scene because of, what's that George C. Scott?
0: The Changeling? Yeah. The movie that came like 20 years before Yeah, this but one? that
2: has such an iconic automatic writing scene that yeah, you almost true. can't do an automatic writing seance.
0: I'm going to tell you right now. They're... Like,
2: Insidious was able to do it, but they had like a gas mask and a kid's lamp. So,
0: like, <laughs> yeah, that's true. It took a lot to get that automatic really writing They really had
2: scene. to turn it kooky to make the hey, automatic I, writing not be like, oh, this is kind of ripping from the entity. I
0: mean, I'm pretty sure this movie came out pretty close uh, around this one. The Others, another great automatic writing scene. Just want to say. Still pull it off. Yeah, because fucking Nicole Kidman's ripping the pages out and just, like, throwing them in the air and shit. You remember that? Oh, yeah. They had the old lady in the seance. She's like, no, no, no. And she's ripping up all them papers.
2: Dear, I am your daughter.
0: <laughs>
2: that's a good movie.
0: We should probably do it on the podcast soon. We
2: haven't done it?
0: No, because I don't like it.
2: Really? <laughs> well, See, that's another movie. So I watch that at least, like, three times a year.
0: It's, yeah, it's I, I didn't like it when I first saw it. Because so you're now... a
2: fool. Why don't you like haunted house shit?
0: I do like Haunted House shit. I think
2: the- we need to have a Haunted House intervention.
0: Okay. Uh, the problem with the others for Rose me-
2: Red again! <laughs>
0: no, no. <laughs> the problem with the others for me is that five minutes in the movie, I went, I'm pretty sure this is how this movie is. You
2: did not.
0: I did. And unfortunately, I watched that movie by myself, so I got nobody to corroborate that story
2: with. Don't believe you. Yeah. Um, but Rose Red is definitely one of my favorite, if not- absolute favorite stephen king adaptations that's pretty cool um
0: which is interesting because it's not like
2: stephen king's yeah because it's an original but it might and maybe that's maybe that's why because it was written as a visual story tell a play
0: by stephen king
2: yeah i i really enjoy it i think the backstory is fucking cool um i get lost a little bit once we're in the house because i just feel like we're on fast forward Mm. i could have done with it being like a full series Maybe like ten episodes or more. <laughs> Getting
0: a little quiet over there, Kim.
2: I could have gone on for. I could have stayed in Rose Red for a real long time. I'm
0: not gonna lie. I'm I'm almost positive that that's gonna happen. No, it's not. That's gonna happen.
2: Did you hear anything?
0: <laughs> no, but I mean, when you think about the the success of every Stephen King adaptation,
2: I don't uh, think the so Joe because Hill
0: adaptations with The Flip- Haunting of Hill House. But
2: if it was gonna happen. Flanagan does all the Stephen King things and now, he did yeah. Shirley Jackson's He's, Hill House. Uh, yeah, he just sure. did his own Rose Red. Yeah. I I'm you gonna, know that, you know that I'm that gonna tell you guys I like Rose Red better. I'm just gonna say it. I liked Rose Red better. Uh, I like Blue Ghosts, but the Red Ghosts win. Uh,
0: I didn't really watch all the Haunting of Hill House. I can't really be an authority on the on that argument. Um so I will politely and quietly agree give my rating oh of rose red
2: what's your rating
0: uh, two out of 4 <laughs> cuz i don't i don't love
2: Stop everything clapping. about this movie
0: <laughs> it's not uh, it's not the the, the the greatest story it's got oh man it's got a good story it's just man it stretches out and like they don't necessarily know what to do with it I, and you know personally i'm It's not, a great setup. psychics fantastic setup awesome house some super dope visual stuff, but I just I'm, and the, uh,
2: characters the characters are good. Characters are all it's right. It's just like they don't know what to do once they're in the house. They're like, "Let's just kill them all," and you're like, "Wait, no, don't do that yet." <laughs> yeah,
0: and to be perfectly honest, the, the the main professor lady, like, I I do love that she is. Reckless, And she is willing to sacrifice the lives of these people to further her research.
2: But it happens so quickly because she's a protagonist when we meet her. So the first two episodes, we're really, we really like her. There is a glimpse. Even when she rubs her blood on that That's what I'm going to say.
0: Yeah, like there is a glimpse of that darkness that lives inside of her where she's uh, arguing with this professor who is doing everything in his power to revoke her tenure Um and basically just get her kicked off campus and at some point when he pushes her or she falls like her hand gets pierced and starts bleeding and yeah it's like during her argument about how great she is and how like there's a world that lives underneath ours kind of like blood underneath the skin and then she just rubs it (laughs) on his face it doesn't make any sense uh it's really weird it's weird i i i see what they're going with it's she's cool. upset it's, <laughs> she's very upset and uh it would work on paper maybe i feel like that's an excuse that we we give to everything that doesn't really work in a stephen king movie or tv show like, that's a oh, weird this... kind of
2: assault though like if you called the police and were like somebody rubbed their bloody hand on my face and i don't know what they have like
0: yeah Ooh.
2: what like isn't that's assault but like
0: You'd have to go get tested for everything, right there, like immediately. You'd have to go get tested. Man, that puts a damper on the day. Especially knowing that yeah, like, that HIV have... test takes like three months. If
2: they... it doesn't. Well,
0: I think you have to get tested and then tested again.
2: Oh wow. Um, but if they have something, then couldn't you like charge them with like attempted murder?
0: Uh, maybe now, but back then, maybe not. Because I'm almost positive that if you knowingly, um, pass along HIV. To another person intentionally for that reason to give them HIV, I, I'm almost positive that we now have had precedents in legal courts of people being charged with manslaughter
2: because mm-hmm. te- I guess it's hard to prove intent.
0: I think that's the biggest problem is is doing that, and in the cases where they can do that, um, and realistically, it's 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 just being told you have HIV, do not do not have unprotected sex with other people, do not like swap needles, and then if you just go ahead and do that anyway, it's it's like. Hey, you're made of knives. Don't shake people's hands, <laughs> and then you do, and then like, ah, why'd that hurt? And are like, oh, that was my dumb mistake.
2: Hmm. Okay, ask. so well, <laughs> I'm gonna give Rez Rose Red a three point two five out of four. Okay, that's fair. I want to do a three and a half, but unfortunately, on the most recent rewatch, the the last two episodes were too quick for me, and um they they pale in comparison to how perfect the first two episodes. Like the first two episodes are a 4 out of 4 for me. Mm. I love the setup of this haunted house story. It's just the the actual haunting part is way too swift. I could have done with with this being a full franchise. But That's I mean, close. they obviously there was more there was more meat in the beginning half of this um story because Stephen King did expand it with a prequel rather than more like post-haunting modern day stuff so you can really see where his heart was in that story and it was definitely in the history of rose red but that is it for our stephen king mini-series episode on the shining and rose red let us know what you thought of these two extended films tv films well, let's
0: just call them movies yeah miniseries mini- yeah i don't know
2: these stephen king television events from the 90s and 2002s you can tweet at us on Twitter at NOFS Podcast. You can find us on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash nightmare on film street. And you can also join us in the Facebook group at Facebook.com slash groups slash horror fiends of NOFS.
0: We've got a whole ton more Stephen King content for you over at nofspodcast.com with fun uh, lists and editorials just celebrating the work of the horror master himself. Uh, And we even have more Stephen King coming on this very podcast. Oh
2: my god.
0: But what and when
2: probably
0: soon, soon. <laughs> so be sure to subscribe to the show if you aren't already that way a new nightmare can slip into your feed while you're t- tucked into bed at night uh, and, uh, and if you can please do give the show a 5 star rating wherever you're listening to it it helps get the show in front of more fiends and grow the horde it's the easiest way to support the show with just a few seconds of your time
2: And if you want to support us on Patreon or you're already a patron of the show, we have a little bonus game for this week's episode that John put together. And it's the most intensive Stephen King (laughs) 10 minutes I have ever spent in my entire life. Uh, If you want to listen to our Stephen King knowledge or lack thereof, head over to patreon.com slash nightmare on film street to listen to that bonus game and all of the other bonus content available to you as a supporter of this show.
0: I'm calling this week's game the Stephen King Stopwatch is a little misleading but it is me versus kim versus a chess clock and it's pretty great i hope you guys like it because i put her through fucking
2: hell please don't make fun of me for like how little
0: we both do horrible it's oh, fine, boy. It's fine. It's no
2: fine. you know i think we did okay <laughs> it was really stressful <laughs> i don't like being timed <laughs> but uh we'll be back at you again with another full-length episode in two weeks from now until then i'm kim i'm john stay, stay creepy, creepy.
1: It appears you made it out alive just long enough to tell the tale of the nightmare on Film Street. Help us grow the horde. Leave a review on iTunes or wherever you subscribe. Continue this week's conversation on Twitter by following at n-o-f-s podcast and as always more terror can be found lurking on our website www.nightmareonfilmstreetpodcast.com until next week stay creepy fiends